1: I've got to admit, Corny, that I look ready tonight. Have you noticed that? Oh. <laughs> what a fathead! What are you giving me to drink? You want to buy a duck? All right, now, now look. Now let's set the scene. Have you ever in your life, just, oh, it maybe happens two or three times in a guy's life, where he is suddenly plunged into what could be almost described as a peculiar, inverted fantasy, nightmare, impenetrable scene that looks so much like something that he has maybe seen before, or imagined before, or dismissed before, that he can't believe it? All right, listen carefully. Here's here's the scene now. This is a true story. Now, I'm not going to give you any preface as to how this happened because how it happened is too long and that would take uh, four more quarto volumes to get into it because these scenes, it doesn't matter how it happens. It has happened. There you see me, your old friend, me. (laughs) There you see me and I am now sitting on the floor of an apartment in the heart of Paris. You got the scene? I'm sitting on the floor, scrunched down, and we are all gathered around a low marble coffee table that looks like it's at least 400 years old. And on the wall are these ancient stained French prints. It is an apartment of almost exquisite sensibility, of almost painful civilization, you know? It's that kind of of apartment where you feel that... uh, the taste is so so muted and so quiet, so casually calculated and yet so long drawn out in an infinite number of mirrored walls and years that go back to perhaps the even beginnings of the French people that one does not question. A trazzo floor. And I am sitting down with my knees cracking, you know. Uh, the first thing you begin to notice about the truly uh, civilized Frenchman is their little they're little people. You've noticed this, corny? Little natty people, and their suits all are kind of cut in at the waist. They have little thin pants, and they wear sparkling white shirts, little thin ties, and all of their hair is very thin on the top. I've noticed this among hundreds of of the of the truly, uh, you might say, the uh, the end line of, of of decadent families. And I am sitting down on that floor, that terrazzo floor, and I am slowly. Spooning Iranian caviar, a dark, gray, succulent caviar on thin French bread. I am squeezing the lemon on it, and I'm with a group of people who are total strangers to me. And finally, the man who has brought me here, who is a young French count, arises It is his apartment, which is only perhaps a a spit-and-a-half distance from the Arc de Triomphe. Right in the heart, of Maurice Chevalier country. He gets up and moves to the record player. And a moment or two later, we begin to hear the sound of Spanish guitar music filling the apartment. My friend, Renault has put on his record player, his Columbia 360 record player. And sitting across from him in this little soiree is his wife, Felice, and next to her is Gerard. Gerard, a tall, thin aesthetic, a kind of uh, epitome of French taste, a young, a young up-and-coming avant-garde, and yet with touches of the Gothic interior decorator and the architect from the Sorbonne. And next to him, next to him is his wife, Colette. Oh, la la, Colette. Corlette, the epitome of the French girl, of the true, uh, let's say, the sexy de la maison, <laughs> the sexy lady of the house. And next to her is a Corsican, a tall, thin, languid Corsican named Philippe. Philippe. ...who I have discovered listening to their involved, subtle, beautifully muted French conversation... ...Philippe has traveled all the way up from Corsica, his home... ...to spend three days in an attempt to see if he can make any time with Colette... ...who is the wife of Gerard, the young architect... ...and sitting next to me is Reno, the uh, husband of the family... And it was suddenly I found myself in the middle of a Guy de Maupassant short story. The subtle interplay of sexual inferences. And by the way, the French are exceedingly, particularly if you get high enough up in the circles, very graphic. It's very graphic in their stories. And I am sitting in the middle of all this attempting to grab a hold of it. Attempting to somehow be part of this, this swirling scene right out of Laurent, a bad French farce. And I began to realize that these French farces are not really French farces. That's the way the French really are. I couldn't believe it. And all night long, the Corsican sat attempting to make time with Colette. They nuzzled. He nibbled her ear. And all the while, Gerard, her husband, paid not the slightest attention. It is just Colette's little game. And later he said that to me. It is Colette's little game. I cannot take from her her hobby. I said, her hobby? He says, everyone has his hobby. She has hers. Oh, I have mine. (laughs) I have never felt more like a man from the great frontier plains than I felt that night. This quiet, muted little interplay of subtle nuance. And all the while I sat hairy, kind of big, a kind of bulking, and I'm not a big, bulking man, but in this company I was a big, bulking, hairy man. I felt somehow that I had been transmitted into King Kong among the Lilliputians, among these little Napoleonic prints hanging on the wall, and about ten minutes after the last smidgen of caviar had disappeared... And the first bite of cold chicken was beginning to be enjoyed by the company. A little French bread and a subtle Alsatian wine. The company began to warm to its task of civilized interplay. The intercourse of subtle minds. Yeah cha da Now, hold it there, Corny. Now just a minute. I'll give you another cue. I don't let's uh, hold it there for a minute, see. Now now you got the scene. Well uh, this was in Paris, and uh, I have been in Paris many times, but I've rarely been in Paris the way I was two weeks ago. And uh, you've heard a lot about Paris. You know, too m- so many people talk about Paris. There's more movies about Paris, and they're all clichés, I find. Just like the same, the movie about New York is always a cliché. You always have the scene of the Empire State Building, and you have, you know, this, this stuff. They never show you the Grand Concourse in the movie. And whenever they make a movie, somehow uh, Queens is left out. They never include Flushing as part of New York. Well, that was the beginning of a weekend, uh, the likes of which I had never spent anywhere in any foreign country, really. Because I began to see the American against the backdrop of an older civilization, I don't want to be pompous about it, and an older civilization that was ultimately jealous of the new civilization, and resentful of that new civilization, and at the same time embracing that new civilization. And so after we had finished the last bit of chicken, little poulet, after we had sipped the last of the Alsatian wine, the vin ordinaire, we were out on the dark streets of Paris, whistling through the night in two French automobiles of particular anger, whistling through the darkness on our way towards what Renault described to me. He says, I wish to show you some of uh, the life American. The American life uh, is very deep. And uh, we Parisians uh, have many things which are very much like the American. And uh, we wish to show you that. I wanted to see what they considered an American life. Uh, He says, how would you like to go to, uh, to the drug store I says, the drugstore? It never would occur to me in America to say to my friends, how about going to the drugstore with me? And uh, he says, the American drugstore. And always around everything he said was a kind of vague tongue-in-cheek putting down, you see, that this is American. This is American life, of course. Uh, we, we, we don't take it seriously. He's a, a boy, however. And so we arrive... At, uh, I wonder whether you... Uh, do any of you know what is currently, right now, the big topic of conversation? Uh, the, the, the big topic of conversation in Paris, and indeed all of France, I mean, other than anything political, what everybody really is talking about. Wherever you go in a cocktail party, you hear this. Wherever you go, where six people gather to wait for a bus, somebody will mention it. And wherever you go, you ride down uh, a great boulevard or you know, the Place de la Concorde, everywhere you look, you see great posters talking about this. And in spectacular colors, magnificent design, wherever you go. And he says to me, he says, I shall take you tonight to show it to you. And so we head out into the French countryside to see what the French consider part of the American way of life. <laughs> And it really is about as American uh, as, let's say, an average weekend on Mars would be like. It bears no... Really, you know what I found in my world travelers, for what it's worth? That anything that the people in the neighborhood, in any country, wherever you go, wherever I've gone, whatever they relate to modernity, whatever it is modern, uh, and they vaguely don't like it, they ascribe to America even if there's nothing at all in America remotely like this, that, that whatever a Frenchman does not like about the new France, he says, is American. Even though <laughs> I mean, it's nothing. It's their own brand of 20th century insanity. Somehow, the world has discovered a fantastic scapegoat. That if, if, the, kids, if the kids break the windows uh, along a string of shops, that is because they have been seeing the American movie. They are attempting to be like sheep, uh, the American beatnik. Uh, It's all, uh, and and yet, whatever they like, they ascribe, of course, to themselves. And so we go whistling out through the darkness. I was having a fantastic time because immediately uh, I began to dig them, they began to dig me, and they began to open up to me. And pretty soon, uh, one of the worst insults you can ever get as an American, at least me, to me, is when they turn to you and say, Oh, yes, but of course you are not the ordinary American somehow implying, of course, that all Americans are slavs and idiots, fools and knaves, but you are the different one. Now, on the other hand, I, I then began to do the opposite to them. I said to Renault, but of course you are not the average Frenchman. <laughs> the average Frenchman, he spit on the street. He throws the beer cans out on Place de la Concorde. He drives like he is an idiot. He steals the, uh, the antenna right off as a fiat. He is, uh, he is a slob idiot. He knows nothing of politics, of course. Ooh, he's purple. Because I'm giving back to him what he's giving to me, and then there was a kind of funny silence because they're not used to getting it back, you know, in their terms. And so we are whistling out through the night, and we are in the direction. We are going in the... I will award you a brass degree. If you think you're a, a traveler, I don't care what you read, the little uh, the little profiles of what's happening in Paris and... In uh, the New York, and that they never talk about the real things that are happening in a country. For example, if you get to New York, uh, you know there's a letter from New York uh, in the uh, British newspapers. It's always written by some some uh, a faith person like Alastair Cook, and he talks about what's really happening in New York. And I'm there, you see, I'm in Paris reading what's happening in New York, and I don't recognize the New York I've just left because he's never talking about the things that are really happening, like the Mets have won three straight and everybody in town's talking about this. You know, this is really what's happening. Or, or uh, you know, the, the kind of things that, that, that you and I talk about continually in our little life, in our little walking around, scratching, spitting life, uh, that there is the equivalent in Paris. There is the equivalent in Bangkok, the day-by-day life. And I will award you a brass fig with bronze oak leaf palm if you think you're a traveler type and you've been to France in the last uh, year and a half or maybe the last year, goes somewhere near Flemington, New Jersey. (laughs) I mean, you know, there's nothing. Well, right out in the country, on the hillside, is this thing. It looks like a sort of strange... Do you remember the World's Fair building that was built on the... uh, Built by, I believe, the Traveler's Insurance. It looked like an umbrella. Do you remember that building with the big red umbrella? Well, this thing is sitting on a hillside. It looks like a big mushroom, all lit up, fantastic lights all the way around. Inside of it, there must have been a thousand light globes hanging at all different angles and lights, and it was lit inside like a stage set, yellow, green, purple, mauve, amber spots all over the place. And there it was, sitting on the hillside, a big thing. Oh, it must have been the size of, uh, oh, a football field, at least. A big thing, right there on the side. I couldn't figure out what it was. He says, this is the drugstore and we drove closer to that big cloverleaf all in front of it, a gigantic parking lot, and the place is mobbed with people all sitting at different levels in big, plush, white, round booths. They weren't even booths. They were like uh, uh, nightclub, uh, almost like, uh, I I can say, perhaps... Do you remember when they used to talk about conversation pits? Well, these were all set at levels, gigantic, big things, all white and puffy and sort of... 1933 Jean Harlow styles. You know, the big white puffy, sort of uh, uh, fluffy uh, boudoir kind of things. It's all very feminine, by the way. And inside of this place, they are selling cashmere sweaters. They have all kinds of little shops. Cashmere sweater girl over here. Here's a very, very expensive uh, perfume shop. And they have absolutely no drugs anywhere. The drugstore in Paris has done away with drugs. You cannot buy. I said to myself, "Well, I'll buy some razor blades." You know, I was looking for razor blades. Forget it. This is not a drugstore. I mean, it's just called a drugstore, and all the lights and the place is blaring. Uh, You can't. It just—it's throbbing, throbbing with rock and roll music. And and everyone is quietly sitting. Nobody's dancing. Anything. It's not. It's not a discotheque. But they're all in these conversation pits. And these French waiters are hurrying back and forth, up and down, and they're bringing frozen oranges, and they're bringing, they're bringing pressed duck, and they're bringing this magnificent food and ice cream and the whole business. And we sat down in, the, in this thing. I, I've never seen anything, uh, anything in my life like this. And we sat down, and Gerard turns to me, Gerard, the architect, and he says, This is the sort of things which I think has made the American not very well liked anywhere. This kind of American thing we have here. He says, this is fun to go to, but this is not French. I said, that's not French. Are you kidding me? French? (laughs) I don't know what it is, Gerard, but it ain't American. He says, Oh, come this is American? This is an American drugstore. I said, no. This is not like Licketts. This ain't like (laughs) Walgreens. This is like no drugstore ever. I've been in the drugstores out in the West Coast. I've been, I've been in the Schwabs in Hollywood. Nothing like this. There is nothing remotely like this. And 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 we spent an evening in the drugstore. And and uh, I had this this wild feeling of. Isn't it fantastic how the American is blamed for everything all over the world and he doesn't have anything to do? It doesn't do any good to, to die. I mean, you, you, might, you, know, you, just, you just might as well go along with it and pretend like, oh, if you think this is a drugstore, you should see the drugstore at home. Oh, 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 oh. this is nothing compares to what we have. Oh, we have the drugstore covers uh, seventeen fifty, maybe 20 block. We have seven-story drugstore. We have the, you know, uh, and I'm sitting in the middle of this. Well, then about 10 minutes later, and uh, it was one of those wild nightmare nights. We're sitting in this thing, and I'm eating this uh, this mocha uh, sundae, and <laughs> trying to pretend like you know uh, this is my scene, this 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 uh, drugstore scene. And we are now out in the night again. And 15 minutes later, I am in the middle of Saint Germain de Pre. I has this ever taken off? I'll tell you. Uh, we are surging down a little tiny street, and, uh, and, and we're in the middle of a gigantic teenage riot. And i mean a genuine riot. You know, you keep hearing about riot, teenage riots. It's a nameless, formless riot. You know, the, 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 the riots uh, the, the riots that most of us are used to are riots with a purpose. Uh, this happened, this particular uh, indignity, or this particular civil right, this particular thing. This was just a... And I was right there when it started. Right at the minute it started, in the middle of this thing. And we are surging down this little narrow street. And and through it, there are about 75 guys driving in Renaults and Fiat's, a guy with a Ferrari, looks like an Arabian prince on his night out. He's with this nine-year-old girl. And they're all driving this thing of people, jumping on the hoods. And there are kids running around. All of them look look vaguely a little bit like... uh, It's very difficult. You know, if you think we're having troubles here, I tell you it is almost totally impossible to tell a French male from a French female if they're under 18, impossible. <laughs> I'll tell you, you can get yourself into some very embarrassing situations in France. And so here they're surging and yelling, and all of a sudden here I am in the middle of this with a with French cop. I said, how the hell did I get myself in this? I'm with a French cop and with Philippe and Gerard. And now Gerard is beginning to get very angry at the Corsican because now he's finally it's getting a little late. He wants to take his wife home, and he has realized that the, the Harvey has gone so far enough now. And uh, I, I began to, you know, there's a, there's a little sense any minute now. violence is going to break out in our crowd, and uh, we're, we're looking for a car, which we have lost, and we're surging down through, through this little narrow street, and all of a sudden, somebody up, start, he starts yelling out of the upper story window. He peers out, and I see this, and what's going to happen? Immediately, the crowd looks up, and this guy has a great big pan full of hot water. Shoo, down it comes on the crowd, and it lands all over me and about 45 other guys, and instantly, there's a riot. Instantly it starts to go. And I hear the, the windows crashing here yeah, that I hear. I hear that, you know, that that sound. Have you ever been in the middle of, 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 of a rolling of rolling, senseless violence, that sound? You just hear that And you see guys jumping up with that wild-eyed look and everybody's in, in a nutty way when that happens, there's always one group of people who enjoy it wildly. And they begin to lash out, they begin to grab chicks and you hear the windows crashing, and you see coming around oh, 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 The French the, the, the French gendarme has approached and, and they have they have a kind of riot car that is really frightening. I'll tell you this. Uh, they have about three different types of cars they drive, but they have one kind of horn. And it goes oh, 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 it just goes insanely, and the lights are flashing, in the gentile Russia. and we surge down the street in the direction of our car, and my coat is wet. And <laughs> I've been wounded in action, you know, the whole business, and Gerard's coat has been torn, and you see this wild, moiling gang of teenagers leaping up and down on the, on the hood of a Jaguar. Here was this beautiful XKE. That was being destroyed by this mob. Some poor guy had left his car parked up on the sidewalk, and how they do in the middle of the in the middle of the great big Saturday night scenes in places like the Village and, and places like uh, uh, the Left Bank. And the, and and here's somebody. And these kids were jumping up and down on the hood, and the policemen were coming. Up, oh, the poor guy! And I could hear ow, 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 and the wild screaming, French implications. And now all of the people in the in the apartments, all above us, began to pour stuff down on the streets. <sighs> And five minutes later, we're back in the car and we are heading for the apartment after our wild night. After our night in the drugstore, Paris 2, the riot. And we are heading back towards the apartment and what was left of the cold chicken. And with that, Renault turns to me and he says, he says, this, of course, he says, this, this kind of scene, he says, this never happened to us. The American was here.
0: <laughs>
1: and I didn't see an American face anywhere. All those, all those French faces, you know, yelling and screaming and breaking the windows. He says, this has not happened as the Americans here. I said, well, I guess it didn't happen until I showed up tonight. That's probably true. And I bowed down and I realized that the life of the American in 1966 ain't easy. And I could, I could see the lights in the sky <laughs> as the kids were burning down the town the Eiffel Tower was toppling and we drove.
0: Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then